Hello, 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 and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Njere, means beard and Zulu. Uh, and let's get into it on today's episode. It's it's the pre-game analysis for the biggest game in club football, in world football, the Champions League final. It is going to be Manchester City up against Inter Milan. Let's get into it. Now, this game is dominated by the narrative that it is it is finally the coming of age, the the crescendo of Pep Guardiola's project over there at the Etihad Stadium. This team is the best team in the world, by and large. They've torn amazing teams apart. Uh, I've, I've been speaking about them for the past three or so months since they pulled Bayern Munich's pants down at the Etihad 3-0 uh, in, in, when Upamakano was all over the show. Since then, they've pretty much looked like the best team in the world. I don't think there's been any any debate. They look like they have the best player in the world right now. Um, the the Haaland versus Mbappe debate will go on for quite a while, but I don't think there's any uh, debate when it comes to this season. Mbappe, of course, PSG win the league in, in France. No one really cares, but Erling Haaland... He, he came through with a massive reputation, the weight of uh, expectation to the Etihad, and he's completely delivered. It's been phenomenal, and he's been the big difference in this team. This team has gone from being a team where they don't play with a traditional number nine. They had in a false nine, um, and that worked well for them. Let's be honest. They made the Champions League final in twenty in two thousand and twenty one, uh, when Chelsea beat them with that Kai Havertz goal, and they they got there or there and thereabouts last season as well, where they ran up against a Real Madrid team who it, it seemed like destiny was on their side with the comebacks they had the. The, especially the the way in which they won that tie and then they went on to beat my beloved and City, they could have fallen apart there, but that's one of those moments where, and I give credit to these guys because they really, they run a very, very tight ship there. I'm sure if anyone wants to leave, they can go because they have the pull of a legendary manager in Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola is one of the best managers to ever grace the game, period. Um, in his very first season, he won the treble for Barcelona. No team, no Spanish team had ever won the treble in in history. Not even Real Madrid, who's, I, I still don't understand how they haven't won the treble yet, but they just don't win the Copa, uh, the Copa del Rey very often, which is, which is on them. But... Pep Guardiola is the best and he is he's been at City for longer than he's been at Barca or Bayern. At this point he might well be there. I think he he's coming on verging to the point where he's been at Man City for long for as long as he was at Barca and Bayern put together. So it's sort of getting to that point. He's in the perfect 
situation and he's there to deliver the Champions League and they've given him the trust after going out to that Real Madrid team I mean things could have been a bit shaky the uh, financial fair play situation was going the the allegations the that investigation is still going we we don't know what's going to happen with that but he knuckled down they gave him the brightest prospect in Europe, in Erling Haaland, a 6-4 Viking Terminator who I believe should win the Ballon d'Or. I don't think there should be any uh, question about it. Kid scored 52 goals in all competitions this season with nine assists. That's 61 goal contributions this season. 61. These are Christian, These are young Messi, young Cristiano Ronaldo numbers. Because Messi, he didn't start scoring 80 goals, 90 goals in a year, in a calendar year. He didn't start there. He he worked his way to get there. And Erling Haaland is there, there and thereabouts when Messi won his first Ballon d'Or. So if that also kind of speaks to how well oiled the City team is, the them as an organization, which is very irritating because... You can see that money isn't everything in this situation where they're run so incredibly well and they get the right cogs at the right time. Great signings. Akanji has been a fantastic signing. He went under the radar. He's come in at the exact same time as Erling Haaland in the same window. It's his first season there and he looks phenomenal a lot of the time. Nathan Ake, I know he was injured at some point. It looked like he might not be a fit for them. He's knuckled down recently and when they've needed him, he's been in the squad and he's performed. Um... Guys like Diaz, Diaz comes into this City team, becomes essentially the best centre-back in the Premier League or there and thereabouts, Um, especially once Van Dijk got injured, then Van Dijk hasn't been the same since. Diaz, phenomenal play. He's won the league three times now. Um, So... These are more recent signings. Rodri, phenomenal CDM. I think he's been the best number six in the Premier League all season. Uh, You could probably say for about two years now, maybe even three, since Fabinho's uh, really fallen off this season, especially at least one year, you can say. Rodri's been the best number six. He's been in all the teams of the year. He is probably going to be in my team of the year once the season is done and dusted completely. And he's come into the team and he's been phenomenal. And Pep has all these cogs working in a spectacular way. It's beautiful, the football that they play. It's a lot better on the eye right now to me because they have a pure number nine. So they aren't just tiki-tackering all day, every day. No, they they play through the lines really quickly, really rapidly sometimes to to try and exploit whenever a team comes at them. Um, that's when you get a Kevin De Bruyne running free. That's that's what we saw um, in the Arsenal game. Uh, we saw a little bit of that in up against Madrid when they absolutely tore them to shreds. You're seeing these this sort of style of football where now they do have pace in and in behind. They can play that long ball quickly, go route one and just really, really disturb a team. So I think that flexibility is what's what's been key here as well as John Stones um, playing as a false 
center back i don't really know an inverted cdm i don't know what you call it it looks wonky but my word like i said in the previous episode it works so well against united um and united can set a low block when they really put their minds to it so seeing city really just play around that and and handling business i think that's going to be a massive massive headache for uh inzaghi over there at inter i'll get to Inter in a second but this city team uh let's get into the numbers a little bit i said on the previous episode they've scored 150 goals in all competitions that's a ridiculous return that's ridiculous um I've said it before, I've experienced it as a, as a rival fan. These guys score goals for fun, and when once they smell that blood in the water, it's a wrap. It's game over. If, if they get a sniff, if they sense weakness, if, let's say, a Dumfries or a DiMarco, if they're offered, they will find that weak link in the chain, and they will exploit it ruthlessly. Um, and now they have a deadly number nine, so they only really need one or two good opportunities and they're they're scoring um we've seen before in the past especially in the champions league with man city who could forget uh raheem sterling completely missing in those quarterfinals um up against leon um they also couldn't really break down their chelsea team in 2021 but now i do think they have an absolute game changer in erling Haaland, who i did say scored 52 goals this season um their other Big goal scorers are off the bench. So um, let's get into the lineup quickly. And then we'll touch on individual players and how they'll feature. So the team that started the FA Cup final is probably going to be the team that starts a final. Um, I'm going to read it as though it's a 4-3-3. Um, but they do kind of play a 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three, um, when they are in possession. So I'll read it off. Edison and goal. Um, I do think Ortega Ortega started the FA Cup final, but Edison's going to start. Let, let's let's not fuck around here. Edison plays um, unless he's injured. Then you have Kyle Walker, fantastic. John Stones, like I said, playing that that uh, that inverted role. Ruben Diaz, phenomenal. Akanji, phenomenal. Um, then you have Rodri playing at the six. You have Gundogan on the left. You have Kevin De Bruyne on the right. Kevin De Bruyne. Let's just round up. Oh, jeez, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, let's just round up the rest of the lineup. Then I'll get into uh, Kevy Kev. Um, then you've got Bernardo Silva. Most likely starts on the right because you do want someone with that, with a high level of industry in terms of defensive work, if need be, as well as that creative touch. Erling Haaland obviously playing as a nine, and Jack Grealish. I've spoken wax lyrical about this guy. His numbers aren't great: five goals, eleven assists. Um, you, you would want. I mean, thinking about it, Raheem Sterling used to get twenty goals plus most seasons, right? For City, playing off of the left. Um, so you would want to see a little bit more goals from Jack Grealish. But if Haaland's going fifty-two, it doesn't matter. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, though. 10 goals, 31 assists. This guy's right foot is a wand. He has probably between him and Trent Alexander-Arnold for the best delivery um, in the game 
almost. I mean, the, he, what a player. And he's he's really shown himself uh, after the the poor World Cup that he's not done. He looked like he could have been a little bit of a little bit exhausted, but he really really shown himself uh, that or shown the world that he is still got it. Um these guys they've been unbeaten in the Champions League this entire season so no group lay group group stage losses. Um every game they've played away in the knockout stages they've drawn, they bring it back home and then they destroy. Um so a good thing for Inter is that the game is not at the Etihad cuz they would lose that game 10 times out of 10. Uh the only real weakness in this team, and I can't even say it's a weakness, is having John Stones play as an inverted um, inverted CDM. That's the only real area, scenario, pattern that I can see here that uh, Inter can exploit. I'll get into the Inter team, but that is the one little thread that I can pull for them and be like, hey, you guys... You guys can uh, uh, exploit this and you might get some benefits. Um, City unbeaten in the Champions League. One home league loss this entire season. It's been a fortress. Uh, in their last 15 games, they've won 11. They've drawn three and they've lost one. That one that they lost uh, was up against Brentford. It, it was a game that didn't matter. They, they had won the league and they were rotating, so no real problems. Obviously, they've won the Premier League for the third season in a row and the FA Cup. So City, best team in the world. It's tough to see what Inter can do, but Inter... Inter, there is a little bit of hope for these guys. I've dug into the numbers, obviously, the squad as well. Um, I'll start with the squad, or actually, let's get into their narrative. Inter, this Inter team from 2020, the 2020 season, they finished second with Antonio Conte. Conte comes in and he almost, he basically immediately turns them around. Um, he has him getting some really, really good players uh, and he has them playing in a back three. Back three is really common in Italy, actually. Uh, and he made sure he played a counter-attacking style. Um, the following season, Lotaro Martinez and Lukaku, that, that front two was fantastic. They had Nicolo Barella. Um, they had Brozovic. They had a really, really solid back three. It was Handanovic in goal. Um, it was... Hakimi, oh, Hakimi bombing down the right, uh, looking at like the best right wing back on the planet, even though it's not a super um, popular position, but he, he looked like the best right wing back. That that 2021 team, oh, geez, they, they were fantastic. Um, really, really good team. And I, I really wanted to see what they would do in Europe. Um, under Conte, building on top of what was a really, really good team. Uh, Lukaku was looking like the best number nine, or no, maybe not the best because you've got guys like Harry Kane, Lewandowski, so on and so forth, but a top five number nine on the planet when he was at into that season um, after leaving United or after leaving Chelsea. I don't... Lukaku's been to a lot of clubs. Um, I think he went from United to Inter. Big money move as well. Um, Conte got his guy, and they won the league. 
breaking Juventus's um, dominance, their nine in a row streak. Fantastic achievement for them. I really, really, really wanted to see what that team would do in Europe, especially Barella. I speak very, very highly of this guy. I think he's one of the best central midfielders in the world. Um, Maybe top five. He has top five potential. I can't necessarily put him in the top five with guys like Kevin De Bruyne, guys like uh, Jude Bellingham. Um, I, I do rate. I think he is. He can be in that tier. Uh, I'd love to see him at Liverpool. He's a phenomenal player. Really, really impresses me every time I see him play. Um, and so, with a special guy like that, and Lautaro Martinez, he's been. He's been their go-to guy. He's been their star player this this season, especially. He wasn't that guy um, for two seasons. He, it was more Lukaku, and then Lukaku left. He he kind of had to take on the responsibility. They did finish second in uh, last season. Uh, Milan didn't buckle at the end, which was great to see. Milan winning their first title in 11 years, um, beating Inter. And they finished third this season. So they've been on a little bit of decline down the table. Uh, however, however, they did win the Coppa Italia against Fiorentina. Uh, unlucky for, for Fiorentina. Could have been a historic season for them. They could have won the Coppa Italia as well as the Conference League. They lost that one to West Ham. More on that later. Um, and that's... Okay, yeah, that's that's tough luck for Fiorentina. Um, shout out to them, but for Inter, they did win some silverware, so they they've proven themselves this season to be a really good cup team. Um, they smacked, I think it was they dumped Juventus out in the semis. Uh, I want to say they might have beaten either Milan or Napoli as well in the quarters. I'm not entirely sure, but they've been handling big occasions up against big rivals i mean juventus the derby of italy probably the biggest uh game in italian football not necessarily the biggest derby obviously but the biggest game uh it's like kind of like united versus liverpool or uh, madrid versus barca um whereby it's not a local derby but it's it's the big one um so Inter, they've been playing in those sorts of games. They beat the two Portuguese giants to get to make their way through to the semifinals in which they did beat their city rivals. Quite comprehensively, they've been defensively, they were defensively sound against Milan. Milan didn't have any real attacking threat. Let's be fair, they did concede three goals against Benfica um, when they really should have just cruised their way through through the tie, especially if they just had a little bit more defensive um, defensive uh, discipline. Um, they probably just took their eye off the ball, which if, if you do that for 10 seconds against this Man City team, it's a wrap. They're scoring and you're fucked. Um, so... However, they have shown that they can get it over the line. So it's not as though City, who are, are collecting trophies like uh, Thanos collected Infinity Stones, they, they aren't necessarily that level, but they are. They, they do have winning, uh, trophy winning uh, experience and mentality. So they will go into the final. And I do expect them to keep their heads calm. The only 
And especially since Inter have won the Champions League before, um, last time they won it was 2010, so it's not super long ago. Obviously, none of the players who played in that team are still there. Uh, that was under Jose Mourinho, and he's been to 100 million clubs, and now he's back in Italy. Um, however, Inter do have that experience. It's kind of written in the DNA of the club that they do get things done. Uh, I, I think I've said before that they might ha not have ever lost a final. No, that's not true. They have lost finals, but they've won more finals than they've lost. Uh, this one, I mean, their main guy, their main threat to Man City, and there is a little bit of a question about their starting 11, so I'll just run through the team. I do think Onana will start. Onana did start in the Milan derby. Uh, in at least the second leg. I think he started in the first leg as well. Handanovic, I believe, started in their most recent game. Um, but I, I do think Onana starts there. Then we have a back three, or let's say a back five, because it's really a flat back five. Um, DeMarco, left wing back. He's been phenomenal. Really, really, really productive. Um, I'll get into his numbers in a second. Bastoni. Uh, at left center back, you've got Azurbi, you've got Darmian, uh, and you've got Dumfries. So I do think of that back three, Darmian might not start there. There's a few options off of the bench. I think Dumfries still in the in the team. So there is a little bit of there's a might be a question mark there, but uh, we'll see what happens. Then, you, like I said, Dumfries and Dimarco are probably the key in this game, depending on how well they can defend. Uh, and how well they can get forward when their few opportunities are presented to them. That is going to be the one of the key areas for Inter. Um, one of the key areas uh, whereby it, it, it could be, it's almost as important as having a massive impact on the midfield. That's how important it could be in my eyes because at times, Dumfries and DeMarco, they... They can form part of the midfield. Of course, one can drop when the other goes. They'll probably keep a back four at all times. So they can maybe really, really attack with five or, yeah, around five. You'll probably have... So I'll get... Let's get into the midfield and then we'll get a little bit more tactic, tactics um, oriented. So Chanahoglu... Uh, I don't rate him, but he'll probably start Brozovic at the six, and then Barella will make up the midfield, and then Martinez obviously starts up top. Eden Dzeko or Lukaku, that for me is going to be another, that's probably the biggest starting eleven if um, for both these teams. Lukaku, I, uh, I might start Lukaku actually in this one. Uh and have that Martinez-Lukaku partnership. They're a great two-man two strike force. You don't see those too often, especially in the Premier League. But the it, it, that dynamic really, really works well, especially when they get space to counter in. Um, so that'll be one of the key, one of the keys. So the main thing for these guys is their wingbacks. Like I said, Fantastic wingbacks. Dumfries does a lot of running. So does DiMarco. But they do have a bit of end product throughout the season. Dumfries has had seven assists and two goals. Um, DiMarco, six assists and ten goals. So DiMarco is a very good threat. 
um, and he does get forward. Dumfries does the same. Dumfries obviously hasn't had as many goals, but they've had similar um, assist stats, which is fantastic. That's... Uh, and Bastoni also six assists from left center back. That's really, really interesting. Um, so they that's probably where Inter are going to be their most threatening, especially uh, I can't say especially considering because Akanji is not going to get that far forward. Um, and Kyle Walker will have the recovery pace. So they would need to overload those areas. Um to really, really hurt them and try and get in behind Rodri and Stones, which is going to be an extremely difficult task, especially Rodri. Um, John Stones, defensively, sometimes he can be a, a little bit suspect, but, I mean, when you've got Rodri Diaz there to help him out, Kyle Walker's recovery pace, it'll be tough. So I don't think if they can... It depends on, on what they what those midfields do. So if if Barella can cause problems um, in behind for Rodri and really really take a lot of um, a lot of a lot of uh, attention from Stones and Rodri, then you can kind of have Diaz on an island, depending on what Martinez does. So. It'll be tough. It'll be difficult to see, but um, they're going to is if they're running at Akanji and Diaz there, you could have a Barilla, a Chanoglu. There's ways to get at them. Um, yeah, there's ways to get at them. I think Martinez will be key. He has 28 goals in all competitions and 11 assists, so he's their big, big, big player. 39 goals and goal contributions throughout the season uh, way more than either of his strong strike partners but if you were to lump all of that productivity together because Jekyll has 14 goals five assists Lukaku 14 goals seven assists then you kind of get an output of Martinez so Martinez is the guy Barella from midfield I've spoken about him and the few ways in which I could see City being harmed by them. I think Barella Barella is probably going to be the main guy. If he can get in behind Rodri, uh, take the attention of Stones, and then you have Diaz and Akanji to make tough decisions. Akanji, if you can, if you can maybe try and get Diaz to go wide and try and drag Akanji in 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 field. I think you could exploit that um, with Jekko. And uh, that's why I think Jekko probably shouldn't start. I think Lukaku should. Lukaku has a better better pace, basically, to get forward quickly. And you really want to try and stretch Ruben Diaz out so that you can get Martinez to to try and dribble past the John Stones or try and overload there, overload Kyle Walker. Um, for City, it's really straightforward. Um, and for Inter City, we know how they're going to play. We know how they're going to um, they're going to move stones into the midfield. Pep might have a funny little thing. He might have someone like Haaland drop deep to leave those back three unsure of who they should pick up. Um, but yeah, uh, or he could do yeah he might he could do something funny, but I don't think he should. Uh, the key defensively for Inter, I did say the wing backs um, staying really really true to Silva and Grealish, but uh, which would leave 
Bastoni and Damian to pick up um, Gundogan and De Bruyne, but you probably want uh, two on Haaland, and you have Brozovic dropping to to take. Yeah, to take. Um, ooh, yeah, yeah, you have Brozovic to drop to probably take De Bruyne. You have one of the centre backs taking on Gundogan, or vice versa, depending on which side they're attacking from, and then you have. Uh, Chanahoglu and Barella sitting on on Rodri and Stones, and then from there you have Martinez marshalling um, Kyle Walker, maybe no, not Kyle Walker, probably Akanji, and then you have Lukaku sitting right on Ruben Diaz's heels, and you need to hope and pray that you you have enough legs in the midfield to handle that box because they're going to knock it around for 85 minutes and then score the perfect goal. So Inter, they're big underdogs in this one. However, however, they've been on a tear results-wise. Um, they've won 12, they've drawn one, and they've lost two of their most recent uh, 15 games. So they've really, really been on it there. They've reached great form at the right time of the season there. One of their two losses was against Napoli. They got destroyed. I don't understand it. But one of those 12 wins includes wins, two wins against Milan. I think even three wins against Milan. Um, also, they've beaten, uh, they did beat Juventus, like I said. And, of course, they've made it all the way to the Champions League final. Um, whew. This is going to be a tough one. It might be a bit of a schlep to watch because Inter aren't going to come out and play unless they get a few opportunities. Um, look for Barella to have a big game for Inter to win this. Look for their wing backs to have mammoth games and their back three. So essentially, their back five, Nicolo Barella. Um, actually, everyone needs to have a fucking great game for them to win this one. Um, prediction time. Inter win it 1-0 with a penalty in the 39th minute. Lotaro Martinez steps up and scores it. They hold on for dear life. Um, Man City gets a, a two VAR goals overturned. Um, and they get a VAR call against them for a penalty in the 58th minute. Um, and Inter win the when the Champions League City go home heartbroken again is what I want to say. But, I mean, odds on City probably win it. But I'd love for that prediction of mine to come true. Um, not um, not a fan of Inter, but I'd prefer if they win the Champions League over Man City for obvious reasons. Um, with that being said, before I wrap up, I want to give a little shout-out to David Moyes. David Moyes specifically West Ham yeah for sure for winning their first piece of European silverware but David Moyers this guy was the chosen one to take over from Sir Alex Ferguson the I hate it when I have to say this but I have to say it greatest manager in the history of football and he completely flops he he doesn't see one year into his six-year contract um he then neanders through a couple of uh, different jobs. I think he got relegated at Sunderland. And 
he eventually finds himself at West Ham. He has him playing well. He has him playing in Europe, surviving relegation, which is obviously the most important thing, but playing well in Europe, winning more games in European competition than in the league. First English team to ever do that in a season. And then they go on and they win the Euro- Europa Conference League. Fantastic achievements. The look of pure joy on this man's face after they won that game, after Jared Bowen scored that goal. Um, it was fantastic to see that's what football is all about at the end of the day. Um, those moments of pure joy, uh, which make up for all those moments of pain and anguish. Uh and for that exact reason, not only shout out to you, David Moyes, but my player of the week is Declan Rice. He's led these guys to this trophy. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. If he does go to Arsenal, I think Arsenal might win the league. He is that good. I think he's a phenomenal player. He's going to have a great career. He's won a trophy, one more trophy than Harry fucking Kane. Harry Kane, please leave Tottenham. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, very much looking forward to the Champions League final. Obviously, I'm going to break it down. Once it's done, you all have a fantastic day whenever this podcast reaches your ears and take care.